You know, uh, I, I think you're probably wondering to yourself, uh, what in the world at a youth meeting like this, you have these real old people, you'd say, hey, old Field, aren't you supposed to be down at the convalescent home tonight for Vespers? <laughs> and uh, the reason I'm here is as a warning to you that as uh, you are, I was. And as I am, you will be. You know, you know. have you read Ecclesiastes 12? It says, remember your creator when you're young because it doesn't call them the golden years. It calls them the evil days. And uh, by the way, I did a little checking. I, you know, Dr. Norman there, he... Um, he has access to all the all the records, and I just checked the lab, lab records of everybody here tonight, and before I came today, and discovered that every one of them, Norm, is old age positive. You didn't get that, did you? Yeah, you don't have symptoms now. Some of you have symptoms, but these people on the front row don't. But you will when you're 45. You will. You know, I appreciated. Uh, uh, what we heard a moment ago when we were talking about our theme being the, uh, the Holy Spirit. It, it made me think of a Sabbath school class I was in one time in which the Sabbath school teacher said, let's pray that the Holy Spirit will be outpoured. And I said, sister, it is being outpoured. Pray that you'll get in on it. <laughs> it's true. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we're in the ceiling time right now. Not someday, right now. Remember, remember what Mrs. White said? When the, when the latter rain comes, uh, those who don't get it won't know what's happening. So don't you think uh, that, that, that it's going to be announced in the newspaper. Uh, if, if, if you're not getting it, you won't know it's there. I believe the Holy Spirit is being outpoured as never before among the people of God. You know, I noticed uh, how things have... See, there we go again. <laughs> Don't say, I'm sorry to me. Say, I'm sorry to Jesus. Look what we're doing today. You know, man, good, good grief. Everything is so high-tech. Now I forgot what I was going to say. I, I have simultaneous attacks of amnesia and deja vu. Anyway, uh, Norman, what was I saying before I was so rudely interrupted? You don't remember, right? It was, see, there's a... What good does it do to talk? Nobody knows what you're talking about. <laughs> anyway, uh, what's that? Yes, it's on. It's on. Because I, I'll tell you what, I think, I think, I meet people that I've never met in my life. And we don't even know each other by name, and we give each other hugs. And our spirits witness, if you can say with each other, that we're sons and daughters of God. Amen. Uh, the issue is not, you know, back in the old days, us conservatives used to say, you know what, I haven't had dill pickles for three weeks. And I'm so proud of myself. And the other person said, oh, wait till you've given up sugar. <laughs> but I want to tell you, the issues are greater now. 
The issues are hard issues now. We want to do his will. We want him to, we want him to, 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 to give us the fruit of the Spirit. You don't have to be born again even to give up pickles. You know that, don't you? Hey, the Hindus are vegans, aren't they? Yeah. It's being born again. It's being filled with the, with the fruit of the Spirit. That's where we're at, ladies and gentlemen. But at the same time, that there's a hungering and thirsting after righteousness going on amongst the people of God. There's an unprecedented fall into worldliness. You remember the scripture says the love of many would wax cold in the last days. That doesn't mean they would stop going to church. Their love would be on the front row. and They used to be in the closet. We've always had worldly people, but they were in the closet. Now they're in your Sabbath school class arguing as to why they don't believe in a particular doctrine of the church. Anyway, Anyway, we're in the last days. You know, uh, somebody asked me, they said, what, what are the last days going to be like? I said, like this. <laughs> well, you know, you know I, uh, I think that we tended to see the, the last days as, uh, as physical persecution. Uh, what's your name? Miguel. You know, I think that we uh, that we thought that in the last days it would be about uh, physical persecution. All right, you know, the, the police would come and get me. All right, old Phil, you're going to tell us where uh, where Ryan is, and I'd say, I'll never, <laughs> I'll never tell. You can do. <laughs> No, listen, in the last days, I know there'll be a physical part, but it's the mind that the devil's after. It's a mind game in the last days. He gets your mind, he's got all of you. And tonight I'm going to talk to you, about, uh, you know, not about the, uh, the, the pillars of the faith. The pillars of the faith are there. But the terrible thing is that the foundations that hold them up are being eroded out. We expected in the last days the devil would come in like a herd of elephants. He didn't. Termites. I live in Florida. By the way, I'm going to be like the Apostle Paul tonight. He preached until midnight. <laughs> and it's quarter till twelve where I come from. I just hope if you don't fall out the window, Miguel. Anyway, he's going to fall out on the floor here, and I hope he doesn't kill himself. But anyway, we expected uh, the devil to come at us like a herd of elephants. In Florida, we get termites. Anybody who is anybody's had termites down there. I've had termites. But you don't know they're working. One day, my, my, my youngest son said, Dad, I think you got termites. And there was just a little hole in the trim over the garage doors. And I popped off that big trim, and I want to tell you, it was all messed up. And I didn't hear a thing. $2,000 later. It was all right. I got termite traps now, boy. If you're a termite, don't get near my house. You've had it. And it's all around the house. The text tonight is Psalm 11, verse 3. And by the way, you're not going to see me open the Bible. You know why? I brought the wrong Bible. This is Santa Biblia. 
I, I, I forgot to take it out when I was doing a fin de semana in San Antonio. Yeah. So it's just there for looks, so you won't be mad. <laughs> anyway, Psalm 11, verse 3 says, If the foundations be destroyed, what will the righteous do? Now, I'm going to talk to you. Oh, that was sweet. Yeah, but they know the truth, honey. They, they know the truth. That this, is, this is just for looks. And anyway, no, I know these texts. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Isn't that right? That I might not sin against thee. Anyway, let me tell you, most of my life, now it's changing a little bit now, but most of my life, uh, people have been saying that the Ten Commandments were nailed to the cross. Am I right on that? Until recently. You see, back in the old days, people believed in the Ten Commandments. Do you know, do you know our, our great-grandmothers kept the Sabbath? They believed in the Fourth Commandment, but they thought it was Sunday. You know, have you ever sung, Don't Forget the Sabbath? Fanny Crosby wrote that. What's she talking about? Sunday. And so these people believed in the Ten Commandments. They believed that, that Sunday was the, what, what was the seventh day. And, and when, they, when, the, when the Adventist evangelists came along and told the truth about it, it was no problem. They kept Sunday. Did you know that? They kept Sunday. They, they, they did their house cleaning on Saturday. Prepared the food on Saturday. And then, of course, that made trouble in these first-day preachers uh, to make, to make the, the, the fourth commandment go away, they had to do away with all of them. In, in fact, in fact you, you, you know some people are saying in this country, well, the problem we've had in this country is that we don't have prayer in public schools. No, ladies and gentlemen, the problem we have in this country is that for two generations, huh, the, the moral leaders have preached that you don't have to keep the Ten Commandments. Now it's coming back. You know, they're starting to have Ten Commandments Day. Guess what's coming back? I like that. Listen, if we're going to give the Sabbath more fully, the Ten Commandments have to be back. Think about that. Anyway, but for, but for two uh, generations, it was nailed to the cross. You talk to somebody about the Sabbath, they say you don't have to keep the Sabbath. It's nailed to the cross. And so this crowd that says that the, that the Ten Commandments were nailed to the cross say we only have to keep two commandments. Which are they? Love the Lord with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. By the way, you know, uh, the devil was successful in nailing the Ten Commandments to the cross. And then these other two commandments come along. And how's he going to get rid of them? Oh, he's coming sneaking in here. I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, I mean, next time you become crawling in. And uh, anyway, uh, how's he, how are you going to get rid? You can nail the Ten Commandments to the cross. How are you going to get rid of those two great commandments? Uh, by the way, the devil hates anything that has to do with obedience. You understand that, don't you? And, and we've got to be pretty careful as Adventists because our church could very easily become antinomian. And we wouldn't just preach, don't keep the, uh, don't obey. We would simply use the word legalism. Legalism now is a code word in our culture, Adventist culture, that means don't talk to me about obedience. That's legalistic. Let me tell you, a legalist 
is not a person who wants to obey the will of God. In fact, the whole purpose of the gospel is to restore obedience in the life of a believer. Uh, we were saved to be able to obey again. Uh, Lucifer was not put in heaven because he, was, he obeyed, but he was taken out when he disobeyed. In the same sense, Adam and Eve weren't put in the Garden of Eden because they obeyed, but they were taken out when they disobeyed. Salvation, if it's going to be any good, has to restore obedience in the life of the believer. That's what it's for. Anyway, so you got those two commandments that are in the face of these people, and the devil hates obedience. Love the Lord with all your heart. How am I going to get rid of that, the devil thought. Then one of his imps, and by the way, the imp that made this suggestion got the imp of the year award. Because he suggested, you don't do away with them, you add one. And you've heard it. People will say, I know that we should love God with all our hearts and our neighbors and ourselves. But in order to be able to do that, you've got to love yourself first. <laughs> Have you heard that? All over the place, love yourself first. And, and, a, and a whole cult has been born around that. It's the cult, and the word they use for it is the cult of self-esteem. In fact, everything wrong about everybody, you know, a mother kills her children, and, and, the, and, and, the, and the commentator comes on the TV and says, she killed her children because she has very low self-esteem. You've heard it, haven't you? Or, 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 or a father abandons his family. Well, why did he do that? Low self-esteem child kills his parents because he has low self-esteem. I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this self-esteem cult is based on a lie. And that is the lie that we don't love ourselves. The fact is, we do. You're born loving yourself. That's right. In fact, in fact, in fact, now, you know, some of you mathematicians here will recognize what, I, what I'm going to say. Matthew twenty two thirty seven 37, that says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. What's the, what's the presupposition? What's the axiom on that? That we do. How could God hold us accountable if we didn't? What about the golden rule in Matthew seven twelve? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Hey, if we hated ourselves, that'd be dangerous. What's the presupposition? You love yourself. What about Ephesians 5.29, which says, No man yet ever hated his own body. You say, Pastor Ophiel, I'll get you there. Because I know a man who says he hates himself because he's so ugly. No, he doesn't. Because if he really hated himself, he would be glad he was ugly. <laughs> Isn't it true? What's he really saying? He's saying, oh, why did... Why do they tell me I'm so ugly? By the way, someone's told him he's ugly. By the way, nothing quite puts us down like does mass advertising. Advertising says who's smart, who's dumb, who's pretty, who's ugly. Tells you what car to drive, what clothes to wear, what food to eat. We're born loving ourselves. What about 2 Timothy 3, verse 1? The last days, perilous times will come. Men, and we've got to add women, will be lovers of who? Of themselves. Ladies and gentlemen, we are not the first generation to be selfish, but we're the first generation I ever heard of to teach it. Even in church. Go to church and they'll talk about love yourself. 
self-esteem. This is crazy. My mother used to say to me, Dickie, don't be selfish. And now the mother says to her little boy, honey, don't let nobody walk on you. Well, you got to look out for number one. Is it any wonder that our homes are falling apart? Hey, when you get a, when you get a, now you, now you can survive in your marriage if, 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 if only one is selfish, but you get two people selfish. There's no hope for it. The first thing that's taking the hit, and, and, and they've preached it now for 25 or 30 years, love yourself. Are things getting better or worse? Tell me. Now listen to having said that. Though we're born loving ourselves, we are. By the way, Pastor uh, uh, Larry, I understand you're keeping the newborns that will be here tomorrow. Those little rascals love themselves, boy. When they keep your wife up all night, do they say, I'm sorry, the next day? <laughs> uh-uh. Sorry about that. Anyway, we're born loving ourselves. But listen to me now. To be complete emotionally and spiritually, we must be loved by someone beside ourselves. That's why the purpose of the gospel is not to teach love yourself. We're to come to church to hear that God loves us and that heals. We're to come to church to learn to love and that fills and that builds. Where are we? Love yourself. Put yourself first. You know, probably no one, ladies, excuse me, ladies, has been affected in this self-esteem thing more than the ladies. They're really getting messed up because you know these women are naturally unselfish. They're our mothers. They stay up all night, Larry. But look at this. Self. It's a checkout counter. You, huh? Come on, ladies. You've seen it there. I don't remember my mama this way or my wife Betty. That wasn't what it was about. That's what it's about now. The new single mom. Why the traditional family is fading fast and who needs a husband? <laughs> Ladies, let me tell you something. Excuse me, you won't get mad at me, will you? Can I talk to you like your grandpa? I'm going to. You might as well say yes. <laughs> I can see where the women are needed to be equal with the men in their pay. But but when they wanted to be equal with the men, uh, they, to really be equal like they'd become equal, they had to come down. You know, I remember, girls, the day in which when us men were together cussing and telling dirty jokes, a woman would come, guess what? They quit. Not anymore. Not anymore. The women are cussing and telling dirty jokes, just like the men. And this is off the subject. But who sets the moral climate for a culture? It's not the women. Am I right on that or wrong? In fact, in the scripture, it's talking about the seducing. This doesn't let the men off the hook. But it's, ta- it's cautioning against the woman as seducer and the danger she is. I think it's time for the daughters of God to get together and talk about these things. 
Otherwise, ladies, the culture will carry you to where you don't want to go. It'll do that. Anyway, are you with me so far? How uh, this 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 self-esteem thing? Love yourself. Now you know you, you know we should have just stood up and just tagged it out when we heard it, because it's against the scripture. But hey, we like that man. That's, that makes me feel good. I don't have to worry about it anymore. But the more we love ourselves, the worse it gets. And so what we need to do is learn to love each other and to know that God loves us. And that will take care of that. So that's the, that's the first strike against the foundation that holds up the pillar. Another one is connected. Ryan, are you still awake? I know you're taking notes, but his book's upside down, so I <laughs> He's writing in Chinese, and he looks Spanish-speaking to me. I don't know. So, but, it's, but, but what do you do when it's this late at night? You know what I'm saying? Anyway, uh, so the first, the first punch at the uh, foundation of our faith is the self-esteem thing. It's hitting us at the foundation level. The second one has a word connected with it. The word is dysfunction. <laughs> Have you heard that word? I'm dysfunction. Oh, you are too? So am I. Why don't you join my support group? <laughs> now let me just say, I believe in dysfunction. Sin is dysfunction. But dysfunction is used by this generation and even in the, in the Christian context, even in our crowd, is really saying, everything wrong about me is my daddy's fault. I've never seen a time in my life in which we dare and we are standing up condemning our parents the way we are now. We are a fulfillment of the text in Proverbs 30, verse 11 and 12, that says there's a generation that hates its father and disrespects its mother and says there's nothing wrong with me. I want to tell you, this is crazy. Now you may say, but Pastor O'Phil, man, you don't know my dad. He beat me up every day. And my mama, she, I don't even know who she was. I don't know. I think they just set me on the front porch. You know, I'm just being ridiculous. But I want to tell you that God used our parents, whoever they were, to get us here. The stork didn't bring you. In fact, Jesus just wanted to get you here some way so he could take you where you're at. You see, don't let anybody tell you that what you are today, your parents made you. I just want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that what you and I are today, we have decided to be. There are other options. This is crazy where they're telling us that everything wrong about us is our parents' fault. You see, what this does, this is a strike uh, and, and, and brings the gospel into gridlock. In fact, both of these teachings, th this teaching of self-esteem and this teaching of dysfunction, makes it, Norman, impossible for the gospel to operate. Because the gospel is based on love and on owning who we are, responsibility. 
This is why you almost never hear anymore, any place, the word repentance used. It's been replaced by the word acceptance. Jesus accepts you just the way you are. No, he doesn't. He receives you just the way you are. When that prodigal boy came home, his dad didn't accept him. He smelled like a pig. He received him, though, and then he gave him a bath and put clean clothes on. You see, listen to me. The, 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 the word acceptance is a status quo word. The word repent huh, is a change word. It's, it's impossible. I don't understand it. That, that this generation is trying to pull off change with the wrong word. The word acceptance doesn't change anything. If I come to you and I want to go to work for you and I say, you're just going to have to accept me the way you are. I am, you know. And you'll say, hit the road. Because that means I'm going to stay the way I am. Leave me alone. It's incredible that Jesus came preaching repent. John the Baptist says repent. Pentecost is all about repent, but not for this crowd in the 21st century. He accepts you just the way you are. You mean I can stay this way? Oh, that's good because my, it's my daddy's fault anyway. <laughs> Listen, we're messed up. It's no wonder that our homes are falling to pieces. Once you lock these kinds of things in, there's no hope for your marriage. This is the way I know something's wrong. It's not what's going on in Rome or Lebanon. God help them. But it's what's going on in our homes is breaking my heart. Our homes are falling apart. Did you know, young people, that Jesus created two things at the end of the creation week? One was the Sabbath and one was the home. We knew he'd go after the Sabbath. You didn't know he'd go after the home, did you? And that's the way I know something's wrong. Because if we're not Christians and doing the gospel at home, we ain't doing Christians like any place. You know, I, was, I, I talk about this a lot. I'm going to talk about it tomorrow. You know, when Jesus says, love your enemies, that's okay if you're talking about Osama bin Laden. If, if I were to say, after the meeting tonight, we're going to pray for Saddam Hussein, you'd say, oh, that's powerful. <laughs> I would, and I, then I would ask, shall we include your dad? No way, man. Not pray for him. You know, I was, I was on a shuttle bus. A lady next to me, I, I uh, said, you got anybody that loves you? She said, I got a boyfriend out in California, and we see each other. I live in Florida. She said, we see each other once in a while. I, I said, I mean, you got any family? She said, I got a mother, but I hope she burns in hell. I said, what do you mean? I hope she burns in hell. You know, it's possible that some of you here tonight You've come from some pretty rough backgrounds. Your daddy made a beat you up all every day or worse. And your mother might have been who knows what. But I still think the fifth commandment applies. 
We honor them because God used them to get us here. But you don't know what they did to me. Listen to me. You're asking Jesus to forgive you your sins, aren't you? Do you want your daddy to burn in hell for what he did to you? Come on now. We got problems. One day uh, a pastor said to me, he said, uh, you know, there's so-and-so in my church. She's a, uh, she's a young adult and she thinks she's being harassed by demons. Would you come and pray for her? I don't go for that stuff, you know, just I don't go looking for it, but I couldn't say no. So we met her there, and knowing that, and I'm going to talk about this tomorrow, that bitterness and resentment is where the devil hangs out. I said, do you have bitterness and resentment toward anybody, uh, toward anybody in your life? She said, my parent. And I said, well, why don't we ask Jesus for forgiveness? I learned that her, her therapist was encouraging her to hate her parents. She began to cry hysterically. And it was all over. I wish I'd have just said, in the name of Jesus, we command the evil spirit. Got it over with. <laughs> you know, do, do a Benny Hinn or something like that. Uh, listen, ladies and gentlemen, we're in the last days. It's a mind game. The devil's going after our head. He's telling us what we want to hear. Love yourself self-esteem you see you see if I say to you Miguel uh, you ought to love yourself I'm not shooting myself in the foot I'm shooting myself in the head because my emotional and spiritual 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 health comes from your love to me so the more we tell each other to love ourselves the more we deprive ourselves of the very thing that it takes to be what God's meant for us to be. The church was a place to learn what it's like to be loved and to learn what it's like to love. But that's not what we're talking about. By the way, this word repentance is a big word. We never hear it. But repentance, repentance is critical to us if the gospel is going to work. When God created this planet, he covered it with a layer of oxygen before there was anybody to breathe in. How are we kept alive? By oxygen or by breathing? Oxygen. How do we get it? Breathe. breathe. In the same way, God covered this planet with a layer of forgiveness before anyone said, I'm sorry. How are we saved? By forgiveness or by repentance? Forgiveness. How do we get it? Repent. Repent means we have to own who we are. This generation refuses to do that. By the way... This whole dysfunction thing, don't go there. Don't hang out there. The dysfunction phenomena is about your past. They keep rubbing our nose in the past. Jesus wants you to leave the past behind. He wants to take you on 
and take you from where you're at to where he wants you to be. We've got to have a rearview mirror. But if you look in the rearview mirror all the time, you can't go forward. You crack up. So anyway, the sermon's over. Man, is it 12 o'clock yet? Ooh, it's 5 after. I was going to turn into a pumpkin, I thought, right at 12. But did you get the idea? Did you understand? Let's don't talk about self-esteem. It's wrong. Let's leave the dysfunction thing out and let's, and, and, and let's own who we are so that Jesus can change us. Uh, as long as we're going to blame daddy, we'll never be changed. You understand that? Well, the sermon's over. What should we do? Pray is the word. For what should we pray? We need to ask for forgiveness for our selfishness. This selfishness is making the gospel of Jesus Christ not work in our lives, then in our homes, and then the church. By the way, the church can never be more than the 100% factor of its home. To pray for revival in the church without having a revival at home is to whistle Dixie. The only way we can get this right is to get it right at home. The hardest place in the world to be a Christian is where? It's at home. But if we're not Christians at home, we're not Christians any place. So let's pray for forgiveness for our selfishness. How many people here tonight are selfish? Oh man, that's wonderful to see that. Because if you didn't raise your hand, I was going to say, not only are you selfish, honey, but you're dishonest. <laughs> <laughs> let's ask him to forgive us. What else should we do? Listen to me. Let me bounce this off of you. Why don't we pray for our parents tonight? My parents are dead. Now, now I know when I've said this before, people always go cross-sided, and, and, and I don't know what they say when they walk out. My parents are dead. I pray for them, not because, read my lips, not because I believe we should pray for the dead, but to keep my head right. God, be kind to them. Forgive them. You understand, that keeps my head right. As opposed to that girl who said, I hope she, what, burns in hell. I think tonight I would invite you, even if you're scarred and messed up, to say, thank you, God, for bringing me online. And as I'm praying that you'll save me, so tonight, I want you to pray. I want to pray that you'll save mom and dad. Would that be right? Amen. Yeah, that'll get it right. Because I'll tell you this, and I'll say this again tomorrow. If you go into a marriage with problems with your parents, your marriage ain't going anyplace but downhill. It's going out. We've got to get this right. We're in the last days. You thought it was going to be about... <laughs> no. We know which day to go to church. We just need to learn how to love and repent. We know the health message. We just need to get a new heart. And you can't do that for yourself. Only Jesus and the Holy Ghost can do that for us. 
So this weekend, let's pray, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. The bitterness and resentment, and selfishness, renew a right spirit within me. We're kind of close here tonight. I, I recognize this. The seats are close together. But I don't think it'd be too much. God can, you know, he can distinguish one voice from another. Why don't we turn to the person next to us? And let's just the two of us pray together, two, kind of two by twos. Wouldn't that be right? And what are we going to pray? We're going to ask for forgiveness for our selfishness. And if you want, pray God, what, what I'm asking you to do for me, do for my folks too. In Jesus' name. Let's go ahead and pray, shall we? Let's uh, bow our heads for our closing prayer. Heavenly Father, create in us a clean heart, a new heart. Some of us who are here tonight have been through some pretty rough stuff. But by the Holy Spirit and by the healing grace of Jesus, let us forgive, forget those things which are behind. And in the Holy Ghost, let us, through Jesus, His grace and strength, press on toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.